Good morning, OCC. How are you doing today? Hey, whether you are here in the room or you're joining us online, we're glad you're with us today. And I, I want to tell you a little bit about my buddy, Jake. Jake is a really, really good dude. He, he's the kind of guy you want to hang out with. He's the kind of guy that everybody wants to be friends with. Because Jake, he just is the kind of guy that makes you feel better about being you. He's funny, like the genuine kind of, of funny. Not, not the kind where he's sarcastic and tears other people down to make himself look better. But he'll like put himself down to make you feel better, right? And, and Jake is generous. The, the kind of generous that if he has it, you can use it. Not like it's, if it's his time, his sweat, his stuff, it's yours. Jake is just a really good dude. The kind of guy that everybody wants to be with. It's just one problem. Jake's an alcoholic. Jake likes to drink. And when he drinks, he, he doesn't have much of an off switch. And so almost every time he drinks, he drinks too much, way too much. And, and, and when that happens, this guy who everybody likes to be with, this guy who would do anything for you becomes a guy that you don't want to have anything to do with. He, he goes this, through this weird like Jekyll and Hyde kind of transformation, this wild transformation where everything about him flips upside down. This gregarious, joy-filled, loving, serving, kind dude becomes a jerk. And maybe you got a Jake in your life. A lot of us do. It could be really, really tough. I, I think more common than the Jakes, though, are the, the Billies and the Carries. Uh, Billy and Carrie, people I know that, like, like, when they drink by social standards, they don't drink too much, just enough to get a little more confidence, a little enough to have that liquid courage. Right, Carrie's the kind of person who is way too embarrassed to get on the dance floor. She's never going to get out on the dance floor unless she gets a couple of cocktails. And then she'll dance all night, right? Uh, Billy, the kind of guy who, uh, you know, he just needs a little more confidence. The kind of guy who, when he drinks a little bit, it, it, it makes him a little less uptight and a little more fun. You know that kind of person, right? And I've known Billy's and Carrie's throughout my whole life. I've known these kinds of people way back when I was in college. That Billy would be the kind of guy who would, you know, he couldn't talk to the girl unless he had a couple of drinks. And I've seen those people grow up and they kind of shift. And, and now it's, it's not chasing girls or getting the numbers. Now it's closing the business deal, right? So, so they meet at a place and once he gets a couple of beers in them, then, then he feels a little more confident to run that meeting. And Carrie, you know, she'd, she'd never interact with certain groups of people at the business parties until she's got a couple of drinks in her. You, you know where this is going, right? You, you know these kinds of people. You, you've seen it. Maybe you've done it. And, and it makes me wonder, like, what, what can we learn from the, the Jake and the Billy and the Carrie? What, what can we learn from these people? And I, I don't mean, like, what we learn, like, how not to be, how not to do things. I mean, genuinely, what can we learn? What, what can the church learn from Jake the alcoholic? How can we learn to be like now, before you think I've gone off the rails, uh, let me explain this. Like 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit, God, inspired a guy named Paul to write this to the early church. He said this. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, today's message is not a message on drinking or not drinking. Uh, that's, that's not our topic. But we've we got to deal with it because it, it shows up here in the text. 
And today's message is on being filled up, on what this looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're in the series called Rise Up, and today we're going to talk about being filled up. We've got to be filled up if we're going to rise up. And it just makes me wonder, like, why did God choose this? Why did God juxtapose these two things here, drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit? Why not something like, don't be arrogant, or don't be lazy, or don't be greedy? Why don't be drunk? Well, you know what it's like, right? You've seen people who are drunk, at least in the movies, or you've seen that. And you know, they go through that wild transformation. Just think of my buddy Jake, that wild Jekyll and Hyde kind of transformation. He becomes somebody totally different. You can see it on his face. You can hear it in his voice. You see it in his attitude and his actions and the things he says to people. A total transformation of his character. And God here is saying, I want to transform your character. When you put your faith, your hope, your belief in Jesus... When you trust in Jesus to be your Savior, your Lord, the leader of your life, then the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in you. Scripture tells us that. And he says, listen, I I dwell in you and I want to transform you. I want to change you. I want to change the very fiber of who you are to change your character. It will be evident in your voice, on your face, in your actions, in your attitude. In, In essence, we could say it this way. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Forgive me if that's a little too shocking for you, but I think that's the direction God is taking us there. And, and so we, before we get into this, right, before we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, first off, we got to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And to be honest, sometimes we just don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. We, we kind of talk about him in passing. So today we're going to focus a little bit more on who he is. And that's the first thing we got to understand is that the Holy Spirit is a he, it's a, it's a person, it's not an it, a what, a thing, a ghost. He's the third member of the Trinity. He, he is co-equal with God the Father and co-equal with God the Son. From the beginning of time, the Holy Spirit has been active in the creation of the world and in leading God's people and directing and guiding God's people and, and showing us the direction to go and, and showing us how to be and how to love and what to do and what to avoid and, and what God has for us, leading us on the path. And then when Jesus arrived on the scene as God in the flesh, the Spirit's role changed a little bit because when Jesus went back to heaven, then the Spirit began to take up residency, not around us, but within us, to live in our lives. The Scriptures tell us that He lives in us. If you have your hope, your faith, your trust in Jesus, then the Spirit of God lives in you. That, that, that's this incredible thing. And, and He lives in you. He wants to do this transforming work in you. So he is our guide. He is teacher and comforter and counselor and reminder. He reminds us of what we encounter in God's word so that we might live accordingly. He reminds us of what we encounter in God's word so that when our life doesn't match up, he he gives us that, that tinge of guilt to help nudge us in the right direction and the way we should go. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's up to. And so the Spirit takes up residency in you Because he wants to do a transforming work in you. If you follow Jesus, if you have hope in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives in you and he wants to transform you. Let let yourself think on that, right? Wrap your mind around that for a moment. That a member of the triune God who rules, created, and owns the universe lives in you. If you follow Jesus, God lives in you. So 
as it stands to reason, if, if God is living within us, our lives should probably reveal that. Our, our lives should probably demonstrate that at some level. That, that we should probably look a little bit different than, say, the person who is not following God, who God has not taken up residency in. Right? Our, our lives should look different in this transforming work. And if you're wondering what it looks like for the Spirit to have free reign in your life, Jesus gives us the picture of that. Jesus is the perfect example because when Jesus left all the glory of heaven, right? When the Son of God left the glory of heaven and came into this world, Scripture tells us, the Bible tells us, that he emptied himself of all of his divine godly privilege. He did not come into this world and take up human form with all the God power and be like, I am super person, right? Like, that's not what he did. He, he emptied himself so he could become like us in every way. Every way except giving in to the temptation of sin. So Jesus emptied himself of all his divine power and privilege to be like us as a human. And so he did everything he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He walked according to the Spirit's direction. He was filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Every miracle he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every miraculous thing you see, every wonder you see in the scriptures of Jesus doing something, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything he did was by the Spirit. When he was crucified, killed, buried, put to death, and then he resurrected from the grave, he resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then... Right before he went back to heaven, he looked at his followers and said, Now everything you've seen me do, this Holy Spirit power you've seen at work in me, it's not going to be at work in you. You are going to receive the Holy Spirit into your life. You will receive his power at work in you. And so now you will do amazing things also. What you saw me do, now you will go do. You will teach by the Spirit, and you'll heal by the Spirit, and you'll see miracles happen by the Spirit, and you will live by the Spirit. And then the book of Acts, this history of the early church there in the New Testament, chronicles what happened in the early days of the church, when the power of God was at work and demonstrated and visible in the people of God, in the community of God. And we see exactly what Jesus was talking about. We see miracles happen. We see healings happen. We see them speaking different languages without having to go to school and learn the language. I wish I could have done that when I was in my Spanish class way back in the day. My grades may have been a little better, right? We, we see all kinds of, of amazing things happen. Thousands of people convert to the faith of putting their hope and faith and trust in Jesus in a day. What we see families and communities and lives radically and totally transformed to look more like God. We see the Spirit at work. And what's amazing is right at the beginning of all this happening, when the Spirit first comes upon these people, everybody else is looking on. And you know what some of the people look at them and say? They, they look at them and they're like, what is going on? They're drunk. <laughs> I love it. Like the first thing we see is when the Spirit comes in, they're like, those dudes are crazy, man. They're drinking. They're drunk. It's like nine in the morning. That was Peter, right? The Peter, the, the follower of Jesus, the, one of the best friends of Jesus. He's like, listen, that doesn't make sense. It's like 9 a.m. They're not drunk, not on wine. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit wants to do this transforming work, desires to do this transforming work, and is able to do this transforming work. So... Why don't we see it more often? 
Uh, why don't our lives look more like that? Because everything we read of this New Testament church should be true of us. It can be true of us. So why don't we see that more? Well, there's this difference between Jesus and us. Jesus never gave in to the temptation of sin. We're already starting way behind the eight ball on that one. We, we don't have the, the benefit of, of not having a sinful nature. So, so I, I wish I wish it were different. I, don't you? I mean, don't you wish it was like when God came into your life, like poof, the sin stuff just vanished. Like God's here, and then boom, I don't even want to sin anymore. Like yes, I'll walk a happy life with Jesus, and it's all good. Like I wish it were that way, but it's not. It just doesn't happen that way. Instead, we have these two things that are at war within us. We we have the Holy Spirit coming; He lives inside of us. And we have these desires to do things according to the Spirit to live that way. But then we have this equal desire to go chase our sinful stuff, right? All the sinful things of the world. And there's this constant tug of war. This constant, like just turmoil within us. And Paul talks about this several times in the New Testament. We're going to take a look at one of those spots where he talks about it as he writes to the church at Galatia. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. Paul says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Skipping a little bit later. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. No surprises here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, (gasps) envy, drunkenness, fallen parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, Paul says that anyone who lives that sort of life, not going to inherit the kingdom of God. If those are the things that define you most and best, if that's what describes your life, then you might not be living the right life. You you might not actually be following Jesus. He gives us this great news. He says, but, 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 the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And against those kinds of things, there is no law at all. Now, it's good for us to know that when Paul gives us lists like this in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, that we could tag on an addendum to almost every single list Paul gives us and say things like this. We could add to this things like humility and generosity and on and on and on. We we know we can add a whole lot more to that list of the sinful stuff. We, we just know, like, things like that. And so we have these two different things, right? The, the sinful nature and the spiritual nature. And how do we know when we're living according to the Spirit? We see these things. Now, you might have some people tell you that if you're living according to the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is really at work in your life, then he's going to show up in these, these terrifically incredible ways. Uh, shows and spectacles of the Spirit's power at work, that you'll pray in a different language and you'll speak in a different language and you'll be able to heal people and and all these grandiose things will happen. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I think the Spirit can still do that. I think the Spirit still does that at times in certain places. The Spirit of God is still at work in this world. He's still moving. He still desires to do stuff like that. And I would love to see the Spirit show up in some grandiose way and manifest himself in our presence like that. But here's the challenge. 
When we read through the New Testament and we see these moments of the Spirit showing up and, and he shows up with, with like in, in this blaze of fire and they're speaking in these different languages and everybody there from all over the world can hear in their own language the message of God. And, and, and as they go out and they heal people and they're doing these incredible things, those are isolated moments in time. Separate moments in time. That, that's not an all the time thing. That's, that's not the norm of their life. And, and even in times today when we see the Holy Spirit show up in really incredible ways, those are isolated moments in time that are not the norm. What, what we need to be careful is that when we read of these moments, because the New Testament highlights those moments for a reason, but don't forget to read in between. And I think God wants us to read in between the lines there that it's their hopping on the boat to trek across the Mediterranean Sea. And it's a month between one event and the next. What's happening during that month? What's happening as they're just strolling down the road, walking with each other? What's happening when they're sitting around the campfire telling stories at night? What happens when they wake up in the morning and they're eating breakfast and one of the guys looks at the other one and is like, dude, you got some nasty halitosis. You need to go chewing some mint leaves, right? Like when, when they're going through the ordinary moments of life together, what's it look like to be filled up with the Holy Spirit then? Because that's way more common are these ordinary moments. And I think, I'm convinced that that is the greatest evidence we have of the Spirit at work when things like love and joy and peace and patience and on and on and on on that list, when those things describe us most and best, when our attitudes and our values and our desires become no longer centered on the things of that sinful list, but become directed to the things of God, when those are the things that we desire most and we chase after most and we sacrifice to make those things happen, that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. When you're in an argument with your spouse, as sometimes happens, and you choose to bite your tongue, as maybe doesn't happen enough, evidence of the Holy Spirit. When you have joy that makes no sense given the circumstances of this world and can't be explained by this world, as you face terrible, disastrous situations, news from the doctor news from the unemployment and you still have joy evidence of the holy spirit in your life when, when you give ridiculously of your time and your talent and your resources in an era of uncertainty uh, of recession it's evidence of the holy spirit when the Spirit shows up in those moments, when your life is transformed in those day-to-day -day moments, I think that is the clearest, most tangible evidence we have of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And, and I would say it this way. If you want to know if you're filled with the Spirit or not, it's simply look at what flows out of you, right? What, what overflows from your life reveals what's filling you up. Whatever is flowing out of you reveals what's filling you up. And I, I don't want you to miss this. Well, if you get your smartphone, do me a favor, pull out your smartphone, because I want you to do something. This is like spiritual exercise. Everyone pull out your smartphone, and you're going to set a timer. You're going to go to your smartphone. You're going to click on your little clock. You're going to go down to like a, a timer thing here, uh, your alarm, and you're going to set a new alarm. And you can just title that alarm. I got an iPhone, so mine will show up. Like, you're going to title that alarm for like two hours from now, right? Just set an alarm for like two hours from now. Talk about the Spirit. 
I just, I just want you to talk about the Spirit. Like, like, come back to this later today. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself, and I want you to ask somebody else, what do you see more? Is it the stuff that shows up on that list of the sin stuff in Galatians 5, or is it the fruit of the Spirit? Which thing is overflowing from my life? And, and when you ask the people around, like you can look at the person next to you if you're online, just ask the other people, hey, let's talk later today, right? You just look at the people in your room. Look at the person sitting beside you here today if you're here today in this room, right? Hey, let's, let's have this conversation. But that person might be the worst person to talk to you because if they came to church with you, they probably like you in some way, all right? They're probably not the person that's going to be brutally honest with you. So do this. Go to the person who doesn't like you. Ask the coworker who you don't get along with. Just slide the two lists in front of them. Slide that passage and say, where does my life show up? Here or there? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or these other things. And listen to what they say. You, you probably don't even need to go that far. I think it's a good thing for us to do. I think that demonstration of humility shows something pretty neat to the world. But I think you probably just look at your social media feed. You probably just listen to the kinds of conversations you're having. Listen to the things that you are saying. And listen to yourself talk about face masks. What, what are you saying about what we need to do or don't need to do. Listen to what you're saying about politicians and their policies and the directions we're going with that. Listen to what you're saying, what you're posting about schools and closings and openings and on and on. Listen to what you're saying about the people that are different than you, the people who you disagree with. Listen to what you say about your church and her leaders and different programs and opportunities. And if the things you're saying demonstrate division and dissension and anger and rivalry and quarrelsomeness, those things don't appear as the evidence of the Spirit. Remember which list those things are on. If your language, if your social media posts, if your conversations are demonstrating division and dissension, if you are in any way degrading another person who is made in the image of God, who Jesus died on the cross to save, you are not demonstrating the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the evidence of your sin nature. And so God wants to do a transforming work, and he wants to move us beyond the sin nature so that we live according to the Holy Spirit. Let's look again at that verse from Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. We just sum it up right there. Right? That's, if you ever want a message on drunkenness or drinking, that sums it up. <laughs> Don't do that. Instead, though, Get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Be filled up with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit totally transform you. How? What does that look like? How do we do that? Because here's here's the deal. When we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in our life. As soon as we put our faith and hope in God, Holy Spirit dwells within us. But that does not mean he will automatically fill us. I'll say it this way. If this white milk represents my life. Now, don't read into the colors here, okay? But don't, don't read into, it's just the example I got. All right, so this, this is my life. This represents your life too, right? It's a, it's a good old milk. And the Holy Spirit is chocolate syrup because what else would you use to represent God but chocolate? 
right? I mean, it just makes sense. And so when you put your hope, your faith, your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within you. He comes into your life. But take note, he's there, like it's compartmentalized, but he's not filling. Your life doesn't look a whole lot different. But you let the Holy Spirit have his way in you, shake your life up a little bit. Maybe I think of that cap on all the way. Then your life looks totally different. It changes the very fiber of who you are. Your character is totally changed. Everything about you looks different. Like this, this milk is never going back to being white. It's totally changed. It smells different. It tastes different. Better. Dare I say even sweeter. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. You don't want the Holy Spirit to have his way in you. Now I'm nervous that I have a chocolate milk mustache in front of a thousand people, right? But you allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in you, your life will be much sweeter, much better, very much different. So the process to allow that to happen, to allow the Spirit to just go from dwelling inside you to filling you up, the process for this is called spiritual breathing. Spiritual breathing. I want everybody in this room, if you're online with this, just do this with me real quick. Take a deep breath. Inhale. Exhale. That feels good just to slow down and breathe sometimes, right? Just like we need to breathe physically, we need to breathe spiritually. And you know what happens when when you breathe, right? The physical breathing. It's like an elementary education tells you, you blow out bad stuff and you suck in the good stuff, right? All right? Carbon dioxide and everything going out, the nitrogen, all that stuff that your body doesn't need, but you inhale the oxygen. Oh, that's good. It's good for the body. We need to do the same thing spiritually. We, we need to give the Holy Spirit substance to work with, and we need to, to inhale spiritually. It's like spiritual oxygen for our souls. But we start with exhaling. We gotta make room for the good stuff. So we gotta exhale the bad. Spiritual breathing starts with this. You simply exhale the bad. You breathe out the sin stuff. Anything that's on that list of the sin stuff and things like that that would go on that list, uh, we, we go back to that, but you, you saw that. You know what all that nasty stuff in our lives is. You simply confess it and repent. And here's what that means. You speak it out loud. It, don't just think it in your head. Don't just write it down. I want you to speak it out loud. Not, not in this moment, but when you do this, you got to speak out loud because then you hear yourself say it. And it's not that God doesn't know and it's not that God can't understand your thoughts. It's that you need to hear yourself say it as you agree with God that those are the things that are not good in your life. That it demonstrates humility before God and it gives you a self-awareness to say, yeah, I've got parts of my life that are on the wrong list. Like the, the stuff from the wrong list is showing up in me and that's not good and so I gotta change these things. I gotta breathe that out. Like, whew, I don't need that. I don't want that. That's the wrong stuff. I gotta, I gotta get rid of that. And so we exhale and then we turn away from that. We say, God, I don't want that. I need to turn from that. Now in this process, I also encourage you, get the help of a friend. And this time, not the person who doesn't like you. Maybe it is the person sitting next to you today. The person who does like you, who will cheer you on, who will pray for you, who will encourage you, who will help hold you accountable in your journey of transformation. And you share that same stuff, the same stuff you speak out loud that you exhale to God, exhale to them. Trust me, they love you enough to keep loving you even still. So you share it with them, and then you, you exhale, and then you breathe in. 
We, we get rid of that stuff, and we turn from those things, and we turn to Jesus. And then we inhale. And, and we inhale by being quiet before God, by, by stilling ourselves in the presence of God, by reading his word, and by listening to what he might say to us. By inviting the Holy Spirit to, to lead us as we study the scripture. To say, help me understand what I read. Give me the courage to apply it. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be transformed, to live and love and look like you. Have your way in me. And so we, we quiet ourselves and we pray and we listen to his voice. And then when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something, we actually got to step out and do it. Because it doesn't make any sense to ask him to invite him if we're not actually going to do it, right? I'd say it this way, like, you can't be filled with the Spirit of God unless you actually desire to walk the way he wants you to walk, to do the things he's going to have you do. So when you ask him to give you the courage to respond when he prompts you, then you actually got to respond when he prompts you. You have to actually desire that. So when the Spirit says, hey, you need to go seek forgiveness, then go seek forgiveness. When he says, you got to go offer forgiveness, go offer forgiveness. When he says, be generous to that person, you're like, yeah, but that person on the side of the road, I don't even know that person. Maybe they're... And he says, no, shut up, just do it. It's about your heart, not about them. Oh, okay. And when the Holy Spirit prompts, just do it. Like immediate response. But here's, here's what I've learned. Is that we are terrified to do that. We are terrified to do that, not because we're afraid that God won't show up. It's not that we're afraid. Like if I do this and I, and I try to get with God, and then what happens if there's just silence and nothing? Now, some of the times what we get to deal with then is... You know, just like people who drink a lot build up a tolerance, and it takes more and more alcohol before it affects their system. Well, we can build up a sin tolerance to God. The more and more we sin, it takes more and more of the Holy Spirit to kind of break through. So we got to allow God. We just got to ask him, God, I've built up a tolerance to you. Soften my heart. Break my heart. Break through all that noise of this world so I can see you and hear you and respond. But usually it's not that we're afraid that he's not going to show up or we're not going to hear him. Usually it's afraid... It's a fear of what happens if God does show up. Is he going to prompt me to do something I'm not sure I want to do, to go somewhere I'm not sure I want to go, to talk to somebody who I'm not sure I want to have a conversation with, talk to somebody that I might not even like them? What what if he's going to lead me to sell some of my stuff and to give up things that I really want to hold on to? What if he's going to lead me to give up parts of my life that I'm comfortable with? What what if he's going to ask me to change jobs or to move or to like go on the mission field or to adopt or do something crazy out there and and think what that says about who God is if God loves us and and I believe he does that's the first fundamental foundational question if God loves you why is he going to do anything that's not good for you your fear of God means you view God as uh, some way unloving towards you I'm a I'm a flawed human, but I love my kids with a fierce love, and I do my best to love them unconditionally as best I can and to love them fiercely, and I hope that the way that I love my kids builds trust with them to draw them near to me so that any time that they're trying to go one direction and I'm suggesting another direction, that they will understand because of my love that has built trust, that they'll understand that I've got better perspective, that I've got more experience, that I'm looking a little more neutral from a different standpoint, trying to protect them and do what's best for them. Now, my love for them is unconditional. No matter if they choose to draw near to me or walk away from me, no matter if they choose to obey me or not, I'm still going to love them. They're going to experience my love in different ways. They get to choose whether they experience my love as blessing or as discipline. 
They get to choose if they draw near to me or if they walk away from me. And it's the same way with God. How much more so is our perfect God madly in love with us? Friends, you need to understand, love is not an emotion that God has for you. Love is the very character of God. It's his nature. It's in his fiber. It's in his DNA. God can't help but love you. You don't have the power. I don't have the power. None of us have the power, even collectively, to change the nature of God by our behavior. We can choose how we experience this love. We can choose if we draw near to it or if we walk away from it. We can choose if we experience it as blessing and be filled with the Spirit or if we experience it as discipline and we choose our sinful way. But God loves you all the same. And you cannot change that by your behavior. And so let that dispel your fears. The only thing God will desire for you, you got to trust in this, is what's best for you. And he knows what's best for us way better than we do. If we're really honest, God knows way more than we do. And so he's only going to do what's best for you. And when you lean on that, when you lean on his love like that, he's never going to ask you. He's never going to prompt you. He's never going to lead you to do anything that's not what's best for you. So lean into his love and lean into the way God will lead you. Now, as we do that, we, we still, we're going to get distracted, right? We're, we're going to get forgetful and, and we're going to be tempted and sometimes we're going to give in to temptation. So spiritual breathing needs to happen regularly just like physical breathing, right? Just like we need to breathe. None of us woke up this morning like... Okay, good. Glad I got that out of the way, right? <laughs> like we keep on doing it, right? We, we need to keep breathing. Otherwise, bad things happen. Same thing spiritually. We, we got to keep doing this. We get forgetful. And, and so when we realize, hey, I've, I've got my, I've got disconnected. I've got distracted. I, I've, I've looked the other way. Then we just stop and we breathe. God, help me see. Help me draw near. Help, help me fill me. Draw me back to you. Lead me. God, I'm sorry I went that direction. Sorry I did that thing. Sorry I took my eyes off. But fill me again. And the more we do that, the more natural it becomes, the more rhythmic it becomes, the easier it becomes for us, just like we breathe physically. And, and when we do that and we give the Holy Spirit reign in our lives and he takes over, it changes everything. The very fiber of of our being is changed. And, and we'll see it. We'll see it. We can't help but see it. And friends, that's the kind of life I want to live. I, I want to live a kind of life that, that cannot be explained unless the Holy Spirit is at work and filling me. And God desires for you to live a kind of life that cannot be explained unless the Holy Spirit is at work in your life filling you up. God desires that we would have a kind of church, that our church would be so vibrant and so thriving that it's just inexplicable without the Holy Spirit filling us and overflowing from us. And when that happens, we'll see marriages restored and we'll see forgiveness offered and we'll see generosity given in ridiculous ways and we'll see racial tensions subside and, and love win out and be triumphant and we'll see we'll see incredible things happen and that's just the beginning let's pray God we're grateful that not only did you give us your son to save us 
Jesus, that not only did you come to this world to identify with us, but you gave us your spirit to lead us, to empower us, to direct us, to fill us. God, we want to be filled with your spirit. We want to be a people who are filled with your spirit. So God, help us to exhale all the bad, all the ick in our lives, to confess it to you, to admit it, to get brutally honest with ourselves. And God, as we exhale that, as we confess it to you, we want to we breathe in your love. We want to breathe in your power. We, we want your spirit to fill us. Holy Spirit, come and fill us as your people. Come fill this place, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. We want to be transformed. Calm our fears and ratchet up our trust for you. God, may we just simply abide in your love and the fact that you love us so much that you're only going to do what's best for us. And as we lean into that, God, transform us. May it be visible to all around us, on our faces, in our attitudes, in our character, in the things we do and say. May our lives only be explained by you at work in us. Oh God, we pray that in accordance with your will. And we pray it in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. Jesus.